It is three minutes past ten. Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Albat. Hey, Al, how's it going? Good. Boy, they wore uh, long coats to Duluth because they thought it'd be that cold. I, I, my father-in-law, who I love very much, he would uh, put on a coat to eat an ice cream cone. So <laughs> he could have been right in there with the Marx Brothers. He was... Uh, I don't know how he ever came to be born in Minnesota because he was just uh, cold all the time. It seemed like so, but uh, but a great guy. Yeah, I uh, want to thank Ironwood Springs Ranch in Stewartville, uh, Luther Hostel, the Pillars of Mankato, Good Earth Village, and Knutson's Plowing Bee for allowing me to be a part of their. Uh, celebrations in the past week it was great being in in all those beautiful beautiful places al you're the guy that parties more than anybody i know everybody invites you and you just have a lot of fun what a what a life it is good and and i call it work so well true uh, you know that's one of the nice things about it is uh when your work can be your play and your play can be your work it's a wonderful wonderful thing oh I saw some starlings flying over yesterday. They flew in formations as if they were auditioning for roles in a, in a Star Trek movie. And I, had, I admire the boundless energy of squirrels. I watched them yesterday, and I just thought, man, they just seemed to, uh, you know, to have that much energy. I saw the first junco in my yard on October 6th here, so that's another milepost of each year. Uh, Robert Frost wrote, and everybody's familiar with these, that uh, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could, and I took the one to see the gold rush of yellowing aspens in Colorado, and as I got out of the car to go on this hike, I saw birds in constant motion, and they were called bush tits. And they make our chickadees look enormous. <laughs> I saw Stellar's jays and black-billed magpies were made obvious by both sight and sound. The cartoon characters Heckle and Jekyll were magpies. And as I hiked ever upward, a totemic raven made guttural comments. And it was all good. At home here, I heard raccoons in the night. The world is their garbage bin. I'm not forming a committee to run the <laughs> raccoons out of town on a rail, but I'm willing to give them the look. Here are beautiful yellow leaves are adorning basswood, aspen, birch, sugar maple, and willow. Birds migrating now, turkey vultures, sharp chin hawk, uh, bald eagle, red-tailed hawk, uh, ducks, geese, blue jay, sandhill cranes, plovers, uh, our native sparrows, uh, box elder bugs and multicolored Asian lady beetles. We don't think of them as migrating, but they are migrating from where they were to our house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blackbirds, yesterday I was coming back from New Ulm driving on 14, and just there was these huge blackbird flocks everywhere. It's really neat to see them, but again, it's a, another sign of the of the time of the year. Uh, sulfur and cabbage butterflies are on the wing, but they will uh, not survive the cold, so they are on their 
enjoying their last days, I guess. A friend, Pete Madsen of Austin, showed me a bird feeder that he'd owned for 45 years. And he received it as a wedding present, and the marriage is still thriving, too. Good to know. Uh, It is a droll Yankees hanging tube feeder. has metal ports. Uh, Droll Yankee says if one of their feeders is damaged by squirrels to the extent that the effectiveness of the feeder is compromised, there is a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage on all of its uh, feeders. So that's how you keep a bird feeder for 45 years. Uh, Terry Dorsey, another friend of Austin, is a retired teacher, if there is such a thing as a retired teacher. And he said that retired guys enjoy doing two things staying at home and battling with squirrels. Uh, Yellow jackets bothered me as I ate lunch outside with some friends in Spring Valley, and when I was a boy, I called those wasps meat bees. (laughs) Because if they're bothering your uh, sausage or bologna sandwich, you know, it's a little boy. I I tell people this, and everybody grimaces, but it seemed to be pretty common i'd get you know white like wonder bread you put butter on it you'd slap some sausage either from the farm or that you got from the local locker and then you'd put ketchup on it and you'd sit there and eat it outside and we'd get these meat bees uh honeybees don't care about your meat sandwiches they're vegetarians but yellow jackets they're more than happy to eat your sandwich uh, Cindy Drill in North Mankato said she had a pair of juncos in her yard on October 5th, and she said after the appearance of the juncos, the next morning had white-throated sparrows pecking about below the patio bird feeder. Time to embrace the approaching season. Chad Hines said to Bethany Hawkwatch on October 5th, they reached 6,000 birds at the site. Turkey vultures were the main bird seen with rising numbers of red-tailed hawks. Gunner and Lorna Berg of Albert Lee sent me a photo of a spotted towhee. They also had a lot of yellow rumped, said probably the last warbler of the season, although we have a friend who lives <coughs> on the south shore of Manitoba who still has an orange crown, which really surprised me. I just never thought of them being late birds. And we are up to our socks in white-throated sparrows. Apparently, their migration is driven by food supply. Uh, Glenda Bat, a, uh, a long-suffering relative of, and lives in Albert Lee, saw a Cooper's hawk. Rita Garanson said there were a thousand or more Franklin's gulls resting on the lake at Clear Lake Thursday. I spent an hour plodding through them and could not say I saw anything other than Franklin's with a few ring build mixed in there. Ducks are still the summer ones. Coots have moved in and are plentiful. Sparrows were scarce despite having seen 11 species earlier in the week. However, at McIntosh State Park, there was a flock of 50 or more. Got a uh, nice email from TJ, Tom Jessen of Medelia, and I sent him a short uh, reply because I was uh, waiting to do this. So I, I put wow on there. So I hope that's okay, TJ. <laughs> you know, on the, on the Google, they give you that little thing down there where it says very cool, wow, far out or something. So I hit wow just to let him know I got it. Well, you know, but, uh, I, I was going to mention, you t- mentioned TJ. He is just the, the most amazing guy. He I don't know if you know about his cat rescue but he's been rescuing mm-hmm. all these stray cats from abandoned homes, and he just 
uh, rescued an entire family of cats, some other kitties. Apparently somebody had um, been evicted and they just left their pet behind, which is so sad. And uh, he suspected she might be a mother and actually took the time to follow her and find the the cache of kittens, uh, six of them, and has taken them in. And so hats off to you, TJ, and thanks for all you do for rescuing all these kitties. And then he does the spay and neuter thing and just a just a wonderful wonderful thing he does so thank you very much today yeah i wonder how many litter boxes he has well you know the rule is just for every cat you have you're supposed to have one and then plus one so like if you have two cats that means you should have three litter boxes so uh kittens you know when i had kittens and we had 10 in the house i will admit we didn't have 11 boxes uh but the kittens you know didn't quite do as much but yeah yeah he's got he's got like a whole i think i don't know if it's his garage that he's built this whole thing out it's like a catio place and it's just just wonderful i've gone in we just have one but you know you you go in oh there's a sale i better get that so you <laughs> fill a cart with those big pails of litter and there's no room for any human food in there you got everything filled up what TJ was at the History Fest at Jack McGowan's farm on Saturday, and he said a tornado of gulls were going overhead, moving to the southeast. He said for three hours he saw them moving. And it's, uh, yeah, this is the time of the year they're moving. They're looking for tractors, a lot of these gulls, because they know tractors are kicking up food for them. But uh, that's really cool. He got to see them, and um, great to hear from you. It's a, a beautiful time of the year. Uh, oh, Rita Granson just said another thing. She, she saw orange crown, Nashville, magnolia, palm, black-throated green, yellow-rumped warblers, and also witnessed a cooper's hawk take down a robin for breakfast. Uh, Jerry Victoria has hummingbirds. He's from Allendale on uh, October 7th. He has a flock of turkeys in his yard, a huge flock. Uh, Tim Wademeyer of Faribault saw a red-headed woodpecker. And Steve from Iowa. I'm not sure where. Maybe he's from, he's one of those guys, he's from all of Iowa, which I think is a a noble thing to do. He said, while watching for stragglers at my zinnia patch with a hummingbird feeder in the middle, no bird sighted, I saw a blue jay land in one of our northern pecan trees in the yard. I watched with binoculars and saw it peck at the hull until it split, grasp a whole pecan in its beak, and flew off, presumably, to open and enjoy its treasure. We'd always blamed the squirrels and chipmunks for the paucity of harvestable nuts from these trees. Blue jays, who knew? Blue jays are incredible, and they're so handsome, too. It's just, it's not fair. Uh, Mary Gugusberg of Freeborn, five trumpeter swans on Freeborn Lake. Betsy Kerr said there's a bit of competition in our Golden Valley backyard this morning for the abundant juniper and winterberry berries. I'm accustomed to the flocks of robins coming through and cedar waxwings a bit later, but I was surprised today to see white-throated sparrows and a few yellow-rumped warblers joining in on the feeding. I tend to think of the sparrows as ground feeders and am used to seeing the butterbutts hawking for insects. I guess they are opportunists, which is a good thing. Yeah, the yellow rump warblers particularly eat a lot of berries, and that's why they can migrate earlier and later than a lot of the other warblers. Plus, they don't fly nearly as far south as many of those do. the others do, but they're uh, neat to see. 
Vicky and Tom LaRune uh, sent a photo of yellow rumped and Nashville warbler photos uh, along with uh, chickadees. So uh, mm. really nice photos. So thanks, Vicky. Uh, Tim Scott sent me a thing from Live Science that was talking about not, it's just not birds that sing. So there's other things. Uh, one of animals. And it said, can we conclude that animals sing purely for enjoyment like humans? Uh, there is an emotional component to animal song, but it's beyond our current research capacity con- to confirm. The most interesting questions are the hardest to test. Boy, that's so true. Thinking of a gibbon's playful whoop, the singing mouse's empathetic chatter, and the whale's soulful melody, it's difficult to believe that there isn't emotion and joy woven into animal songs. Uh, Jody Bollinger of Osage, Iowa. Jody called and she asked about a woodpecker hammering a hole in the vinyl siding of a neighbor's. You know, that's, uh, Jody, that's not a common occurrence. Woodpeckers are what? They're woodpeckers, not vinyl peckers. <laughs> uh, vinyl isn't prone to damage from woodpeckers, so I suspect the structural integrity of the siding had been compromised. Perhaps insects or larvae had found a home in an existing hole, and it turned out there was an existing hole in the vinyl. Steel and vinyl siding can be used as percussion instruments when drumming is needed for a woodpecker to declare territory or attract a mate. Uh, Paul Janser, he was right in my neighborhood here. He saw an eared grebe on Geneva Lake. He also saw a redneck phalarope at the Wells Water Treatment Plant in Faribault County. And Chad Hines says, after a very slow week of southerly winds and blue skies, the winds switched to the northwest in the afternoon yesterday. The cold front that dropped lots of snow in the Rockies out west was bound to motivate a few birds to get moving. Turkey vultures had a good push at the end of the day at the Bethany Hawk Watch, and they made up the bulk of the total birds. However, we did see some signs of red-tailed hawk migration with both land memories and Bethany recording dark morph birds gorgeous a listener asks uh, you were talking about browsing uh, I probably mentioned something about deer deer browsing and asks what is the difference between grazing and browsing hmm. uh, I think we do both of them when we go to buffets and stuff but uh, <laughs> you know grazing is a process by which animals feed on the vegetation growing near the ground. So we think of things eating grass, like cattle. That's grazing. Browsing is a type of feeding where animals eat high-growing plants, such as leaves or bark of trees and shrubs. And the first thing that comes to mind there is a giraffe. I mean, there's a lot of other ones that do that. We don't have a whole lot of giraffes here in southern Minnesota, but they uh, they will browse and eat a lot of things up there. Uh, Al, is it okay to feed uncooked rice to birds? I know we uh, answered this yeah. uh, on, you know, a few weeks ago, but it's a, a question that comes up, and it's a myth. It was promulgated by an advice columnist for a newspaper. Ann Landers, in 1988, published a letter from a reader warning against the practice of throwing rice at weddings. 
and internet stories have warned of birds exploding <laughs> after eating rice and many birds eat many many birds eat uncooked rice in the wild and bobolinks oh, one of my favorite birds i just love seeing them and they are called rice birds by some folks because of their appetites for the grain. So rice is okay, but I know a lot of wedding parties throw bird seed now instead. I get that little uh, little yeah. cloth wrap around bird seed. So I try to rifle it really hard so it stings, so the wedding <laughs> will, be, will be memorable, you know, for the folks. So they'll say, oh, yeah, that bird seed really stung. But let me ask you this. Does the bird seed you get often contain that Milo stuff that no bird yep. eats? So it just goes yep. to waste anyway, right? What does Milo look like? Like, would it grow as a seed so you uh after weddings a lot of churches probably have these milo plants growing up they, around them or as weeds they well yeah it's sorghum oh okay so it's grown as a crop in a lot of places and i you know they look like giant radish seeds or something yeah They're just uh and we have nothing really that eats it uh, you get out west and you'll find some birds that will eat it. But, boy, here it's just uh, it's a waste. And, sadly, it's used as a filler. Yeah. Apparently it's pretty cheap, so they'll put it in a lot of the mixes you get. So if you see a lot of things in there that look like BBs, it's just not a good thing to get. You know, I see that all the time in those mixed seeds. You'll see those little BBs all the time, and I used to think that was something they'd eat. So, you know, you buy it, and like you said, you're, you, maybe you should spend some more to get some that the birds are actually going to eat. Yep, you'll get uh, your money's worth far You'll get much more of your money's worth if you get something that they'll eat, because otherwise it's just a waste. And then what happens? Then you don't get birds, and you think, "Well, yeah. oh, that's a stupid feeding birds." I don't get any birds. I keep putting out this seed, and it just—I I guess if you uh, grabbed a bird and held it down and held its mouth open <laughs> oh, and forced it in there, maybe they'd eat it. But they it, apparently it's just nasty stuff. They do not like um, Milo at all. Uh, a text from somebody said, why do most robins migrate? Uh, well, you know, we get them in the winter, and that's what uh, I know you're indicating there by saying most robins migrate, but the ones we see in winter might be from Canada or somewhere. We just don't know. Uh, robins migrate because the ground freezes and or it's covered with snow, and that locks them out of their favorite food, earthworms. And the winter weather also makes it hard for them to find caterpillars and other insects that they would eat. So robins switch their diet to fruit and berries in the winter, but there isn't enough here in the north to feed all the robins. So that's why most robins move south, and they will move at oh, 30 to 35, up to 30 to 36 miles per hour during migration. And they like high-pressure systems with northwesterly winds, and those are really great for fall migration. It hurries them on their way without them having to burn a lot more energy. And there's no hurry for them in the fall. They don't, you know, they don't have where they need to get to a territory. They don't have to worry about building nests. So they can linger and they become real nomadic. So you might have just uh, all kinds of robins. There was one singing here in my yard yesterday, just singing up a storm. I'm not sure why. Just maybe it was happy. Things were. It was having a good day. 
And uh, so they can spend, you could have a yard full of them one day, next day there's none, and then a week later you got a bunch again, and you say, well, they're back, but it's probably a different, it, mm-hmm. it, it certainly could be the same ones, but it's probably a different flock. A uh, listener said, uh, I saw a monarch butterfly on October 10th. Will it be okay? Uh you know, I guess it depends on your definition of okay. It's busy right now. I hope it was headed southward. By the end of October, monarchs have pretty much left the state, and it's in a migration to their winter grounds. And they can fly oh, around 100 miles a day. You know, Some will do more, some less, to cover the 2,000-plus miles to get to Mexico's forests where the monarchs start arriving around the 1st of November, which begins the Day of the Dead celebrations in that country. But many of the butterflies don't arrive till mid-November or so. So, you know, the butterfly you saw on October 10th, it's definitely got a shot. So I I will keep my fingers crossed here, and I, I hope it makes it. It's just, they're such beautiful little creatures, and we look at them and say, oh, the frail little thing, you know, I wish we could help. But we don't uh, we don't realize how tough they are. I think sometimes these are incredible creatures that fly this long distance and do it without ever having traveled that path before. So they are amazing, and they make it. And I hope they uh, I hope great numbers make it there this year, and that great numbers survive and start to the process coming back up here to visit us next year. They just, uh, what a great story. Uh, I I am a reformed hunter. Uh, I'm <laughs> guessing uh, I'm, I'm guessing that means that they, they've stopped hunting, maybe. Um, where do buffalo heads nest? They have always been my favorite duck. Uh, they are secondary cavity nesters in trees, so they nest predominantly in the boreal forests and aspen parklands of Canada, Alaska, but they will dip south into portions of the northwest and north central states, and that includes Minnesota. I think we'd still consider them a rare breeder in this state, but Agassiz National Wildlife Refuge in northwest Minnesota, I've seen quite a number of them there and this uh, the last i remember was being told that there's probably an estimated 200 breeding pairs of these beautiful little ducks people call them spirit ducks uh, butter balls they have all these nicknames for these tiny little ducks and um, they are one of my favorite ducks for sure i just uh, oh i love green winged teal too i think they are so lovely but um Boy, these guys, the buffalo heads, and they got the name because they just look like they have a really big head, I guess. <laughs> so I, I played ball with two guys, big fellas. Uh, one played football at Mankato State. He was uh, six eight, probably three hundred and some pounds, oh. and the other fellow was a pitcher for a college out uh, out west. Uh, big big guys. And you know how uh, kind and sensitive uh, young males are. 
so one of the guys was called Head, and the other guy was called Kettlehead, so we could tell them <laughs> oh, apart because he had these big melons. And uh, being guys, they accepted that. You know, that's who they are. So, is uh, the joke was, you know, they couldn't find a, a helmet big enough for the one guy, so they had this special order. Which, you know, looking at the size of football players in college, I'm sure that was not true, but that was the rumor. So, and he became Kettlehead, and one of the nicest guys you'd ever find on earth. I still see him every so often, and, and I I call him by his real name now, and it's never Kettlehead anymore. So Al, did you ever have a nickname? You know, you I know you were big in sports and baseball and things like that. Did they ever call you anything like uh, I don't know? Can't think of anything. Bird. Hey you, Birdman. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey you, I got that a lot. Yeah, yeah, Batman. You know, you oh, just sure. automatically got that, and I wore twenty-two. When I played a lot, the numbers, so I got called deuces a lot because <laughs> a pair of twos. And so, yeah, and when there was a, a Michael Caine movie out when I was in school, and I was called Alfie, so for a, a painful period there, I was called Alfie, which... Hmm. Uh, but usually well, Al. You know, the good thing about having such a short name, if they're going to call you a nickname, they they like to find maybe something easier to say. Yeah. What's easier to say than Al? So you end up being Al. All right, here's another question then. So, so Halloween is coming up. So when you go out to trick-or-treat, do you go as Batman and your wife Gail goes as Robin? <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> certainly could do that, yeah. I don't know what we'd get, though. That's the problem. Yeah. You know? We'd like produce. Oh, we yeah. Go to door-to-door and get produce. That would be really good. His man, the produce. I stop at the farmer's market there in Mankato and uh, pretty regularly. And Gosh, they got a lot of great stuff there. It just, uh, oh, I uh, love eating all that stuff. and I miss it when it's gone, but we have uh, a lot of squash, so we'll be eating squash. You know, my, my mom raised Hubbard squash. Yes. Uh, right. Each one was about the size of a Volkswagen minibus. And I, I always joked I'd fire up the chainsaw so we could <laughs> cut one of those up. And we would eat it all winter along with turnips because they kept so well. And we had parsnips sometimes. Hot butter parsnips were so good. But uh, it, I would uh, grow weary of Hubbard squash yeah. after a, a long time. And then Mom would make a pie out of it. And then I became a Hubbard squash fan again. Is that kind of like pumpkin pie in a way? It tastes. It is. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, we used to I do the acorn it. squash. That was kind of our our favorite. Was the acorn, and then those kept pretty well as in in addition to the Hubbard squash. So yeah, that was our that was our thing. I'm with you. I love uh, acorn squash. That's my favorite as well. And they're the right size to to handle. So you, exactly. The other ones, you know, you cut them up and you think uh, this is enough meal for. 19 people, what do I do? <laughs> you save it for Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, I guess, and it <laughs> yeah. last that long. Hey, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. Uh, I'd heard of people making this mistake, but I'd never made it. You know, there's some mistakes out there I've never made. And I'm kind of proud of the ones I've never made, but I was traveling far from home and bunking in a strange hotel, and my alarm clock sounded with more decibels than I thought possible and knocked me out of bed. 
at a time, I swear, was earlier than when I'd gone to bed, and my brain wasn't yet open for business. When I grabbed a tube of toothpaste, applied it to the brush, and began to clean my teeth, I was adulpated by lack of sleep, so it took me longer than it should have to realize that toothpaste didn't taste like toothpaste. That's because it was hydrocortisone cream that came in a <laughs> tube of the same size and appearance as a toothpaste, and I'd used it on an elbow. I talked about the elbow last week. I'd used it on my elbow that looked as if I'd, if it had been polished by a cheese grater, and I hadn't removed the tube from my little ditty bag where I put in a shaver and toothpaste and all these things. But I stopped brushing the moment my brain convinced my hand to stop. I used more than my fair share of mouthwash and brushed my teeth three times to get the taste of that medication out of my mouth. I checked to see if my shirt was buttoned correctly, my shoes matched, and my pants weren't on backward before leaving the hotel. Because the incident with that phony toothpaste, it wasn't a bad thing. I figured anything that happened to me the rest of the day would be a definite improvement, and it was. I hope you all have a great day. Remember Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen. I enjoyed your company as as always. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Al, it's always great to have you. We'll chat with you next week. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.